Well, more power to you, Mike. More power to you, Brian. Ready to give my uh, knee-jerk reaction here. I can barely contain my knee. Of course, I want to put it through a table or something. Because that was another winnable game for the Steelers, was it not? It most certainly was. And the fact that we did not kind of brought uh, brought us to our knees, really. It was there for the taking. It was ours. They are who we thought they were. And we let them get away. Funny enough, you actually nailed the score in our step ladder to seven wins prediction, 24 to 20. Maybe not so Just funny. Just wrong that, sides. Yeah, wrong side. <laughs> also on the previous edition of More Power To You, as we discussed the things that we wanted to see from this Steelers team, you had mentioned that you hope they would establish an offensive identity and offensive identity. The identity they established was offensive, but do you feel that they uh, did that today? And if not, are they at least closer to establishing an offensive identity? Unfortunately, I feel like they have established their offensive identity. They don't play for two quarters, and they fi- and they see where they are at halftime. I mean, it really did seem like in the third quarter... Uh, and in the you know the latter half of the second half that things started to get rolling, but the engine's got to get fired up sooner than after halftime. Well, the storyline for this game was all about the turnovers. Five were in favor of the Steelers, and but it just seemed that whenever the Steelers coughed up the ball, the Niners got their points. They scored off a Mason Rudolph interception in the second quarter, and they scored off James Conner when he fumbled the ball away. It was a forced fumble, but still. T.J. Watt, Stephon Tuitt, they are their typical selves this season, right? Yeah, harassing Jimmy Garoppolo all day long. You tell me that we generate five five turnovers in one game, I say we win by two to three touchdowns. But not capitalizing on the other team's mistakes is killer, especially when with their two takeaways, not only do they turn them into points, but they turn them into points very quickly. Yeah, we will uh, get into more details here while we review the game. First, uh, I wanted to note we had some injuries to key personnel, namely Vance McDonald. Left the game in the second quarter with a shoulder injury. I took a little cruise around the internet. I couldn't find any updates about that. But for now, our starting tight end appears to be Grimble. I don't think Grimble did much, though. I don't think the tight, yeah, the tight end position in general, which is a shame because Vance McDonald playing kind of a, a revenge game, if you will, goes out with an injury. Uh, anytime you play a former team, you like that opportunity to, to go out there and stick it to him. Unfortunately, what stuck was his shoulder in the ground. It's clear that Mason Rudolph really needs that safety valve, and I just don't know that Grimble is going to give you the same gains. He's not going to give you the same play that Vance McDonald will. So we'll see what happens this week, but I hope he has a speedy recovery. Definitely, uh, and I look for us to hear stuff either on Tuesday or definitely by Wednesday. So I have to gauge how severe the injury is and plan accordingly from there. You are correct. The young QB needs someone that he can trust so that when he gets rushed, He's got the ability to dump the ball off them to at least get something. And boy, was he rushed on Sunday. Any unsuccessful Steelers drive, it looked like he was running for his life. There were definitely plays where he was afforded a little more time and, you know, he turned them into decent gains. But yeah, good thing that he's mobile because it was uh, it was frightening. Frightening to see the Niners defense converge in our backfield. Okay, let's get on to the review of the game here, Mike. I wanted to do something different, try and break it down a little bit differently than we have in the past. We'll just lay it out like this. Call-outs and shout-outs. So we're going to call out players for costly mistakes or players that have performed poorly, and then we'll give shout-outs to the players that did their job. Yeah, I mean, probably the evenest way for us to evaluate this season because 
boy, we're far from seeing a complete performance on either side of the ball. So, you know, participation trophies, I think, are what we're giving out for, for you know, for the good. It certainly seems like any little bit of uh, any little bit of good performance equals a participation trophy at this point. Well, I'm going to start out with some call outs and I want to start with special teams. We have to work on the punt return coverage. It was very suspect on Sunday. The Niners return team had sizable gains, one being a 26-yard return in the second quarter. Speaking of giving up yards, there was that one illegal shift penalty in the second quarter, and that's just sloppy. They need to button that up. What do you think? There are three phases of the game, and a lot of times special teams will be used to set up the offense or the defense, you know, or the defense. If big chunks of yardage are given up in that third phase, it just makes it easier for the offense to move down the field. I mean, look, a really good kickoff, a perfect punt. If you can't tackle where the ball is fielded, how can you gain the advantage for your defense of of pinning the other team against their own end zone? Offense, defense, special teams, it all works hand in hand. You can't ignore one and expect to be successful in the other two. And for the most part, special teams is where you find your next crop of quality players. So, you know, it's time for guys that don't see the field that much to shine. And when it comes to special teams, you don't want to be called out. If your name is mentioned, you definitely want it to be for a good reason. All right. Well, there is one player that has yet to shine so far this season, and I do want to call him out, and that's old Wine Spritzer himself. Ryan Switzer gains nothing on his returns. Um, he caught the ball on Sunday. What do you think? How how much longer do you think we're going to stick with Ryan Switzer returning? Well, let's see how he does against the Bengals, because, I mean, a struggling player that wants to make a positive mark, the Bengals seem to be the team to do it against. The only thing Switzer has going for him is that he's catching the ball. He could definitely be muffing it, and then it would be a far different conversation. The explosive plays that we were expecting, you're right, they're not materializing. And when you're losing in general, you got to look for that spark to get things going. So if what currently is employed is not working, it might be time to throw the kitchen sink at it sooner than later. We have not won a game yet. Let's just say that. Well, I'm just wondering if the Steelers have another solid return specialist on the squad. And I was thinking it wouldn't surprise me if we saw somebody else take a stab at it, like Johnson or somebody like that. Yeah, because in that respect, if they're producing on the offensive side of the ball, it may be, you know, we may be of the mind that don't want to get them injured, you know, because kickoffs and and punt returns generally are the more ruckus plays in the game. There's a little, little less predictability to them. But then again, like I said, you got to think that if it's not working, well, we need to try something else. So who knows? This is not uncharted territory for us, but at 0-3, you got to be thinking, well, that sounds like a terrible idea. We should try it. <laughs> Do you have one special team shout out here? Boswell, two for two. It seems like old Bozzy has made some improvements over last season. Well, he cleaned up his Twitter account, and uh, now he's putting him through the uprights again. Thank God, because otherwise, looking at who scored the points for us, Boz is uh, he's got to be close to team leader. When your field goal kicker represents the majority of your points, you know you're in trouble. <laughs> Let's talk about the defense here. Give some shout-outs to these guys. TJ Watt continuing his high level of play. Stephon Tuitt is going to get a shout-out. Going to give Devin Bush a shout-out for the two fumble recoveries. And most prominently, Minka Fitzpatrick making immediate impact. Picked up the tip pass. He forced a fumble on Mostert. He had a roughing the passer penalty, but hey, 
We'll let it slide. Yeah, to come over the start of last week and get enough under his belt to really contribute immediately. That's that's great. And that's one of the lone bright spots that we can we can talk about. I know in a lot of people's minds it was kind of a question mark as to why we would give up what we did and hey, after one week to reflect, that was a good trade, you know. <laughs> the guy is doing what he's supposed to be doing and some. So welcome Minka Fitzpatrick. Now we'll move on to call-outs, and I want to start with one of Fitzpatrick's colleagues in the secondary here, Terrell Edmonds. Whiffed again on that deep pass to San Fran's fullback in the first quarter. That went for 27 yards. It seemed like anytime there was passes for longer gains, I know there was one to Debo Samuel, one to Kittle. I think he was involved in the coverage in some capacity, not saying that it was necessarily his fault on all these, but it just seemed like he was the guy that was in charge of making the play there. And so what is going on with Terrell Edmonds? second-year guy needs to start shoring up his game because we can't have that. Otherwise, he's going to get targeted, and that's going to spell disaster for us, those big plays. Got another call out here. Got Mark Barron for that holding penalty on the 49ers' final scoring drive. It was a third down, 11 yards, and I think that gave them the first, didn't it? Yeah, I believe so, and I mean, that would have kept it to fourth and long and would have forced him to kick the field goal. These are the sloppy things that just kind of drive you crazy. I mean, we can talk about how the Steelers didn't capitalize on the turnovers, but there's all these little mistakes that add up into the big hole and these mental errors that, again, lead to scores. That's exactly what happened to the Seahawks. And then there's one area of the defense that I want to call out as a whole, and that is their defense of the ground game. Clearly, you can run on Pittsburgh. San Fran's running back committee had their way on Sunday, 165 yards between the three of them. Jeff Wilson scored twice. So, yeah, and it's frustrating when you consider it to be the hallmark of all of our Steelers defenses being able to stuff the run and being as porous as we are right now. That is definitely cause for concern. You know, with the Cincinnati backfield to face next week with the legs of Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram to come the week after that. I mean, let's just say that. Quality running games are still coming our way for the majority of the season. There are no real sloughs when it comes to that, so we need to tighten up for sure. All right, so let's get down to business here and talk about our much-maligned offense. Shout-outs. Going to praise Juju Smith-Schuster here for his first touchdown on the season. Yeah, Juju. He had 81 yards off just three catches on the day. Of course, 76 of those yards were... Off his catch-and-run touchdown. Can't start a fire without a spark. Just the fact that he was getting the ball in his hands, he made it happen. That's, unfortunately, when you're the number one guy, sometimes you got to make your own destiny, you know? Exactly. So I also want to give a shout-out to Deontay Johnson, new starting receiver since uh, he's taking over for who, Mike? Hands of Concrete. Dante, is that his first? You know what, people, on this program, we don't give first names to receivers that play their position like Ike Taylor. Yes, so Concrete was benched prior to the game, and I don't think that he was missed. Unfortunately, that's about all I have for our praise of the offense. All right, so let's get on to the call-outs. And as we said at the top of the show, I'm troubled by the offensive line. I'm troubled because Mason took more pressure today than I would have expected. Uh, He was intercepted when he tried to force the ball to Juju once, and he was hurried on that play even. Uh, He was sacked twice, so 
Are, are you as worried about the offensive line as I am, Mike? Yeah, as far as I can recall, we have four-fifths of the starting line that we've had for years now that was one of the more, if not most, celebrated lines out there. Only thing changing would be Marcus Gilbert is no longer there, and then offensive line coach Mike Munchak had moved on. If it's due to new coaching, that's a real cause for concern because the consistency of the play, this line should be gelling. I wouldn't expect the kind of regression that we've seen and just another way to put it is thank God that Mason is mobile because he's been running for his life. Yeah, it is certainly surprising when you think about the median age of the offense as a unit, and then you think about the most seasoned part of our offensive line. We invested many high-round draft picks to assemble that group of gentlemen. You know, it was it was a process to put them together because we valued Ben Roethlisberger or whoever happened to be under center. I was going to say, if Ben was able to play in this game, he probably would have got hurt anyway if the offensive line played the way that they did. So he might have been, you know, might have been injured in this game. Yeah, definitely something's going on. And I'm, I'm hoping that we're not seeing the age of that unit uh, flow to the surface much sooner than expected. Yeah, there's another part of the offense that I want to call out. And that's going to be James Conner. I'm calling out James Conner today for that fumble primarily. Now, granted, it was knocked loose, but just came at that critical moment when Pittsburgh, all they had to do was just hold on to the ball and chew up the clock. But 43 yards for him on Sunday, and we just really needed that run game to shine. And Jalen Samuels was completely absent. So kind of scratching my head why they didn't get Jalen Samuels involved. Offensive game plan, I'm starting to now think about Randy Fickner and perhaps adding him to the callouts. Odd job, Randy's got a few head scratchers as far as offensive uh, plays that he's employing. We could not survive if our running backs don't at least break 80 rushing yards a game. We are not that type of team, especially with a new quarterback that's so fresh. The reason that Ben was able to immediately make an impact was because he had an incredible defense, which I think we're getting there. Still have stuff to work on, but showing much promise, and a great offensive line with a back like Jerome Bettis, you know? Someone that when you need 10 yards on a first and 10, you need to push the ball down the field. You get five, six, seven yards. You can't have your starting running back put up 43 total rushing yards in a game and cough up a costly fumble when all you're trying to do is run some time off the clock push the other team back so that if you do have to punt, you're putting your defense in a position where there's a lot of field that the opposition has to cover uh, in a short amount of time. And is James still hurt? I mean, is he still feeling the effects of that injury? And if so, you're right. Where was Jalen Samuels? He's proven that he has been reliable in the past. He's, I don't know what I'm thinking, Brian. It's a head scratcher. Connor's longest run of the day was 10 yards. When that pace is stuck in neutral, you want to bring in that change of pace back. It's just baffling to me that you know Jalen Samuels didn't even see the field. It's just, I don't know what they're thinking, man. As we've been saying, if it's not working, we're going to be trying something different here soon. Or if we aren't, this podcast is going to be done because I'm not talking about the same issue for 17 weeks. Don't get me wrong. I'll bitch about anything, but I'd really like to bitch about different things. Well, how about this topic, Mason Rudolph? 
I didn't know where to put Mason because I, I didn't really want to put him in call-outs. I didn't want to put him in shout-outs. Honestly, I, I graded him a C. Yeah, which is a passing grade. The dude is making his first start. He's still doing so much better than Landry Jones. Mason has sniffed in two weeks two very improbable wins against better teams than Landry was facing. We got to give the guy some time and some protection. It's not all his fault, and I still am liking what I'm seeing. I'm liking the possibility of him coalescing into a dominant starter. I'm seeing flashes of brilliance. There's a lot of promise, and hopefully he just doesn't get a beat out of him because no one can stop the other team's linebackers. Right. That was his first NFL start, and he did have growing pains, as we would expect. He's only completing about half his passes, and he holds onto the ball way too long, especially for the way the offensive line was playing. So Trent Green, he was calling the game for CBS. He kept saying the same thing up until the second half. He kept calling for Pittsburgh to air it out, throw it deep. It was on the verge of annoying, and it was a little bit contrary to common sense. And, you know, we knew that going in, it was going to be difficult for our receivers to find separation with Sherman and and the others. But for Mason, the potential is there, Uh, especially if the Deontay Johnson touchdown is any indication. You can't draw a play up any better than that. Yeah, and you figure if guys like Deontay and uh, James Washington – if they can start contributing that way all the time, that's only going to open up the coverage on Juju, which, you know, makes it a very dangerous passing attack. I still like I still like the look uh, of the way Mason throws. I mean, the dude has a cannon, and he looks to be very accurate with where he's putting the ball. So I, I think if we would have won this game, that's how we would look at Mason's performance in, you know, in a better light. I know this is odd for me to be trying to find the silver lining a couple weeks in a row. But again, we're 0-3. Did we mention we're 0-3? Did we mention we are winless? I don't know if that's sunk in with the the fan base yet. Uh, With the causes for concern that we've highlighted, I think there are still moments of brightness that are peeking through. We're seeing seeing the long touchdowns. I guess we'll just have to wait until next week, see what happens. Yeah, I agree with you. It might change my mind if I rewatch the game, but my gut feeling is, again, it wasn't Mason's fault that the Steelers didn't win this one. There are just so many other components to that loss. The 49ers had one too many chances to score and win the game. So I want to ask you, what separates this Steelers team from some of the other middling teams around the NFL that are playing with their younger backup quarterbacks? you got Indianapolis. I know Jacoby Brissett's, uh, I think, a three- or four-year. But how about New Orleans? Jacksonville, North Carolina, all of them won this week. The Giants, all of them won this week. And I'm just not ready to concede that those quarterbacks are surrounded by less talent than the Steelers. Immediately, I would say with Indianapolis and New Orleans, Brissett and Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater went to the playoffs with the Vikings. He just had that horrific knee injury. No one knew if he was ever going to play again. And, you know, Brissett has been in Indianapolis now for a couple years and won his first start with the Patriots when they were supposed to be awful during the deflate gate suspension. Those teams are definitely different than, say, Jacksonville and the Panthers. I mean, with Jacksonville, it's like, is it the quality of opponent that they played? Same with Carolina, because playing the Titans and playing the Cardinals, you're like, eh. defensively, Mason has had to face the Seahawks. And the Niners and almost won. And I just wonder if it's a, you know, 
location of the game. I think Jacksonville and the Panthers, especially if Cam can't play for a while, will fall off. The Colts, I mean, with the division that they have, they could make some waves winning more than half their games. And the Saints, the Saints have a complement of weapons that is just ridiculous. So I think with a young quarterback and with an offense in transition, I think we have some things to to work through. Ultimately, I think we'll be in better shape than most of these other franchises. I'm not ready to wave the white flag and, as you said, concede to these other teams. Just frustrating to see so many backup quarterbacks win. You know, Mason takes so much abuse in this in the media. Every blind squirrel finds a nut sometimes. All right. So next week, it's a battle for the basement in the AFC North. Two zero and three teams will meet at Heinz, and in prime time. Can it really be considered prime time when the teams are 0-3? Monday night football, is it better or worse than Thursday night football? Well, this particular matchup, I think, fits it in the category of equal. And and by equal, I mean equally awful. Just considering the games that have been on Monday night and Thursday night so far, I like football on Sunday. Sunday football at least feels even to me. Thursday is generally a show or if it is a quote-unquote good game, it's because both teams are so awful that 30 million points are scored. And for Monday night, considering tonight's game between the Chicago Bears and that team from Washington, whose name we won't say, the Bears were up 21 nothing at one point. So the product on both nights just seems to be so weak. They're just, they're just awful. Yeah, well, I would argue that the Steelers were two or three mistakes away from a two and one season. So, you know, they're going to meet with the Bengals who are struggling to find their own offensive identity. But I think we will give a prediction a little bit later on the week. What do you say? Yeah, who knows right now? We need, we got to consider some information that uh, is still not out there concerning injuries and uh, let this newest loss sit a little more before I feel good in making a prediction either way. I can t- I can guarantee one thing, though. Two teams will enter Monday night 0-3, and and one team will leave 0-4. And And if it's us, that might be it for this season. So soak it up, audience. Well, I just want to remind everybody that More Power to Yins is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Transistor Radio. If you have it, we're probably on it. At More Power to Yins on Twitter and Instagram. We do absolutely nothing on either except post notifications that the new episodes are up. You know, we're not going to clog your feeds with a bunch of nonsense, usually. All of our nonsense is contained in a half-hour program. And one more thing, we have a new email address, morepower2yins at gmail.com. Anything else you wanted to add, Mike? Let's digest Owen 3 and uh, we'll reconvene once we have a little more information on what's, uh, what's ahead of us. Sounds good. But until then... More power to you, Mike. And more power to you, Brian. And more power to you, Yens. <laughs>